Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This year, the word for our church is revival and restoration. So the Lord has put in my heart to share on how to prepare for revival. Yeah. So even as, you know, I know many of you are going through difficult times, uh, probably through sickness or uh, fear about the future, I just want you to push aside your burdens and listen wholeheartedly as we come together to learn how to prepare for this revival. Let's start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Abba Father, Lord, I just believe that you are preparing us as a church, as a family for revival. And Lord, I just commit everyone who is watching online and everyone here also, Lord, I just pray that you will minister to them, that you will speak to them. Speak to me also, Lord. And I just pray that you will prepare our hearts for the season you are taking us into, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. And I pray that the words of my mouth will be pleasing to you. Holy Spirit, guide me as I share how, I, how we can prepare for revival. I commit this time in your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to prepare for revival. And the word revive means to regain life, consciousness, or strength. So to bring something that was almost dead back to life. When we talk about revival, when we think about it, what do you think of? Is it some uh, extended prayer meetings or worship times or just some goosebumps or anything like that? What truly is revival? Uh, a man of God, Duncan Campbell, who was used by God in the revival of Hebrides, which is a, uh, an island near Scotland, in Scotland, in 1949, captured the sense of revival with these words. Revival is a community saturated with God. Truly. It's a community. It's a whole place saturated with His presence. In revival, our pursuit... Our passion, our focus is and should be more of God until we are filled, saturated, and overflowing with Him. So we need to desire more of God that we'll be filled and we will overflow with His presence. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? This psalm was most likely written in the time after the Babylonian captivity when the Jews had come back to Jerusalem. And the state of Jerusalem was really sad. The walls were broken down. There was, the whole place was in ruins. And it's at that time that the people said, revive us again that we may be joyful. So they've asked for the situations around them to change. But revival is more than that. The ultimate purpose of revival is to bring our focus and our delight back to where it should be in God himself. So I pray today that we will change our focus from our problems, from our situations, and let our focus be on God and his kingdom. And that will truly be revival. 
There are many instances of revival narrated in the Bible. To mention a few, Moses, when he led the Israelites from Egypt in the wilderness, he, the Lord asked him to make the tabernacle and restore worship there. And that was a revival where they learned to worship God again. Because in Egypt, they would have seen other things. But when they came here, the Lord had set them apart and revived them. And even Joshua, as he led the next generation into the promised land, there he's, uh, he's establishing a revival there where the Lord, he's saying that, come, let us take what is ours. And the Lord revived them, revived them as a nation. In the book of Judges, we see how after, when every judge rose up, there was a revival amongst the people. But when they died, they went back. So a lot of these judges brought in revival. Kings like Hezekiah, Josiah, we read how they taught the people to come back to God and they restored worship. They led revival. But it's not only in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, after 400 years of not hearing God's voice after Malachi and then coming into the New Testament, John the Baptist was the voice of revival where he asked the people to repent and come back to God. And even Jesus led the mightiest revival because his followers kind of took over the whole world. And we see that in the book of Acts. There are many revivals mentioned. Is a, a revival is what the church should experience. It's when the church comes back to life, when the church becomes what it was always meant to be. When we read the, new, the book of Acts, we see how the church was on fire for the Lord and how they were fearless. And God wants to restore this glorious church. And he may use a revival to bring us back. Revival is a sovereign act of God. It also involves a positioning of a person or group of people for that act. So it is an act of God, but it also involves many people who will position themselves and say, yes, we are ready, we are prepared for this revival. Let's look at a revival in the book of Acts. Uh, it's a revival in Caesarea. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 onwards. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So this is a man, he's not a Jew, he's an Italian um, centurion, but he is decided to fear the Lord. He's decided to devote his attention to God and not only him, even his family, seeing the way he led himself, his family has decided, yes, we will fear this God that our father fears. And he gave alms generously to the Jewish people. And he prayed to God always. You know that word always, I was looking in, the, in Greek, that is the word dia. When actually the word diameter comes from dia. Diameter is it's a line that that cuts through and reaches the other side. So dia means uh, to go back and forth and to go all the way through successfully. So this is a man who's praying, not just half-hearted prayers, but very focused prayers, and they reach through to the right place. Are we people like that? The Lord is asking us also to pray the way this man 
Cornelius did. And as we read on, about the ninth hour, that is 3 p.m. of the day, of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. So he's saying that your prayers have come as a memorial before God. A memorial is probably a stone or something in which uh, the name of a person who's passed away is, is inscribed. And it brings us, it gives us the memory of that person. So I was just imagining, so probably Cornelius' prayers just rose up in heaven and it was like a, a stone or an inscription. And so when God saw that, he said, oh, that's Cornelius' prayers. Oh, they have to be answered. So his prayers came like a memorial in the presence of the Lord. Um, and uh, so, and then, then he said, uh, Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed... Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So God, the, the angel didn't tell him more about the things of God, but he said, go and send your men to Joppa because there is a man called Peter. Many times in revivals, we see that God brings in people to start that revival. Uh, in many uh, instances, there, there, was, there was a revival in Argentina where people, God sent people from America to Argentina, and when they came back, they brought revival. So many times, uh, people who have experienced revival, they, the Lord asks them and takes them to other places so that they will help ignite the revival there. And so the, uh, the angel tells him to go to Peter. And also you see that Cornelius tells the two of his household servants and a devout soldier all about what happened. So he had trusted people who would understand this vision. If he told anyone, there are many people would not understand. Oh, what is this man saying? But he had people around him who understood revival. We need to associate with people who understand what revival is when we are preparing for revival. And then we see that the, they, they leave and they go towards Joppa. And at the same time, uh, God send, God, uh, Peter is on the terrace of that house and he sees a vision. There's a, a huge uh, sheet brought down. And on that sheet, there are a number of unclean animals. And the voice says, Eat this, eat these animals, take these animals and eat. And Peter says, Lord, how can I eat these animals? They are unclean. And the voice goes and says again, how, uh, what I have made clean, do not call unclean. And this, this vision appears three times. And then Peter is wondering in his heart, what is this? And at that time, these men who have been sent by Cornelius reach that house. And uh, the Holy Spirit tells Peter, I have sent these people, go with them. And he takes these people in and lets them stay there that night. And we see in verse 24, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius is really ready. 
he is not only called his relatives but he is called all his friends there may have been a hundred people or so in the house because he knows god is going to do something and he is preparing his family and his his circle of friends yes something is going to happen i don't want to have this alone i want these people to be involved so he is preparing like that and in verse and um, as peter comes uh, peter explains uh peter asks him why did he call on him and cornelius explains about the vision and then hearing this in verse 33 he says so i sent to you immediately and you have done well to come this is what cornelius is saying now therefore we are all present before god to hear all the things commanded you by god and in the next verse peter is ready and peter says then peter opened his mouth and said in truth i perceive that god shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him and uh, peter goes on to share that jesus came and he died on the cross and he was re- he resurrected and he says that he will come again to judge the living and the dead and he encourages everyone to repent and confess their sins and as he says that in verse 44 we read while peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with peter because the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out on the gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify god then peter answered can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the holy spirit just as we have and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the lord then they asked him to stay a few days so we see here a revival has happened because till then the holy spirit had not fallen on the gentiles but at this time they were baptized in the holy spirit when they heard the word and they were ready for the revival and this is something that has never happened before so sometimes god does things that may have never happened before but it has been prophesied in the old testament that the lord would visit the gentiles and god will keep his word and here we see two men who have positioned themselves and prepared for the revival cornelius and peter for cornelius he was ready for it he was preparing in with prayer while peter was hearing god's voice and would obey even if things seemed against the usual thing so we need to be ready for revival ara tori a friend of uh, dl modi was a great preacher and evangelist in his own right he gave this prescription for revival during a february 1917 address at moody bible institute he says i have a theory that there is not a church chapel or mission on earth where you cannot have revival provided there is a little nucleus of faithful people who will hold on to god until he comes down he is not asking for a huge crowd of people a little nucleus of faithful people will you be a faithful person waiting for preparing for revival and then he goes on to say there are three things that we need uh, to prepare for the revival the first is first let a few christians there need not be many get thoroughly right with god themselves 
This is the prime essential. If this is not done, the rest I'm going to say, I will come to nothing. So the first and foremost thing was, let the people, this small group of people, get right with God. Second, let them bind themselves together in prayer groups to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. And thirdly, let them put themselves at the disposal of God for him to use them as he sees fit in the winning of others to Christ. That is all. This is sure to bring revival to any church or any community. I have given this prescription around the world. It has been taken by many churches and many communities, and in no instance has it ever failed, and it can never fail. Even we can say that, let that word reverberate again in us also, that if these three, three things are complied, that revival will come again. So I'm going to share with you some practical steps of how to prepare for revival, some points what we can do to get ready. And I'm also going to do, you, uh, do it with the illustration of one of the revivals in the 20th century, that is the Hebrides revival of 1949 to 1952, um, where a mighty revival shook these islands which are part of Scotland. The first thing is, we need to hunger for a move of God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Only those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. We need to have that desire. True hunger is an appetite for God that becomes a driving force. It will just push us, push us through every difficulty. I know that many of you are going through difficulties at this time, but the Lord is saying, just push those aside and hunger for the things of God. Let that be your focus. Let that thing be the thing that drives you forward. It is a divine yearning for what is missing in life. Yeah, we really need that hunger. You know, when you, when you, if you've had a, a heavy meal, a dinner, and then you order something from the best restaurant in town, would you feel hungry? Would you feel like eating it? No, you wouldn't. You'd, because you're already full almost. But you need to be empty of all the other things and hungry enough and say, this is what I want, and go after it. So even if you get the best food before you and you're half full, you will not hunger for You will just eat a little bit here and there. But then if you're hungry, then when you receive it, then it, it would really fulfill you. It will fill you up to satisfaction. And many times uh, when this hunger comes on people, it is during the darkest times in history. So we see that many revivals come when things are dark. Uh, the French, it was during the time of the French Revolution, when the revolution kind of hit Europe. It's at that time that... Uh, two men of God, John Wesley and George Whitfield, rose up and started preaching amongst the people and revival hit England. And because of that, 
England was saved from the revolution. They, they even attribute that awakening to the fact that, that England, uh, you know, imp- uh, was away, did not get involved in that re- revolution. Because those were dark times. It just transformed the nation. So in those dark times, God moves. And even now, if you look at it here, probably around you, you see when you watch the news, you feel everything so dark, everything so negative. The pandemic is coming and, you know, we can't plan anything. But it's in these times that the Lord is saying, hunger for my move and I will visit you. So I encourage you, don't look at the situations around you, but just look at the Lord and hunger for him. Even in the Hebrides uh, revival, the time it was a time where there was such spiritual dullness and uh, the, the churches were empty. None of the youngsters went to church at that time. So a lot of the pastors started worrying and they were thinking, Lord, this we need more of you, Lord. The churches are empty. There's no one to listen to our preaching. So those were the time when they started hungering. Some of them rose up. Some of those people in the islands rose up and hungered for the Lord. That's when the revival hit. So the first thing is hunger for the things of God. Secondly, extraordinary prayer. Yeah, every revival is is, pre, is uh, before a revival. It's preceded by extraordinary prayer. Uh, beginning in November of 1949, two sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith, who were 84 and 82 years old, Peggy was completely blind, and Christine bent over with arthritis. They were burdened due to this situation. They lived in a, uh, a village called Barwas, and they were really depressed by the spiritual state. And they started praying. They started praying nights from 10, uh, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., two to three nights a week. Both the sisters would pray, and they would say the verse, Isaiah 44, 3, which says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And that was their prayer. Lord, pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And at that time, Peggy saw a vision that the church, uh, she saw the churches filled. And she called the pastor of their church, a man called Reverend James Murray McKay. And uh, when he came to her home, he to- she told the pastor, Pastor, uh, I saw a vision that our churches will be filled. And I sense God is going to do that. But I think we need to pray. Uh, and so this pastor was a, a God-fearing man. So he said, yes, uh, Peggy sister, we will pray. I will get some of the leaders to pray. And so from that time, Peggy and, his, and her sister Uh, They would pray in their home, while seven deacons, they would go to a barn and pray every Tuesday and Friday from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. And this went on for weeks. And it's at the same time that a number of pastors in those islands, they they also sensed uh, that there's a need of prayer. So they would go out to their churches and say, we need to arise and awake and ask the Lord to move amongst our midst. And in response to that, the whole island had a sense that God is going to move and they would ask, Lord, move amongst us. So there was extraordinary prayer. Even now, the Lord is asking us as a church that we would would also pray. Would you not pray? Would you not pray? Even as a church, I think uh, we've been praying more uh, once uh, after the lockdowns and all that. We've learned to pray as a church, but the Lord is saying, keep at it, keep at it, because I'm going to visit you. 
And the third thing is, get thoroughly right with God. Even as R.A. Tori said, get thoroughly right with the Lord. Examine your life. Confess and repent for any sin and unbelief. So we see that in that revival, seven of the deacons got together and they were also praying. So it's happening for quite some weeks. And then one day, one of the younger men got this verse in Psalms 24, verses 3 to 5. And he said, it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And this man said, isn't it a waste that we just keep on praying without being right with God? Don't you think that we should ask for forgiveness? And he fell to the floor and he started praying and asking the Lord, forgive us, Lord, forgive me, Lord, for my sins. And he wanted to set himself completely right with the Lord. Today, if any of you is walking in, in away from the Lord, I'm asking you today, set yourself right with the Lord. He's calling you back. He's calling you back. And the Lord will forgive. So set yourself right and come back to the Lord. And it's at that moment, even the other deacons, they also ask for forgiveness. And suddenly the atmosphere of that island changed, where there was such a conviction of sin. And when they went out, they saw people kneeling on the roads, kneeling in different places and asking for forgiveness. So that is when the revival started, when they set themselves right with the Lord. Even before a preacher came and shared a message, that's where the revival started. So we need to set ourselves right with the Lord. If we look in the Old Testament, when Solomon built uh, the temple and the glory of the Lord came on the temple, Solomon prays to the Lord and says, Lord, when people turn away from their sins, even when you have brought in famine because of their sin, or you've brought in uh, anything, any, uh, you know, any evil uh, because of their sin, and, but then when they come back, and they ask for forgiveness in this temple, forgive them. And we read in Second Chronicles 7 verse 14, in response to that prayer, the Lord says, Yes, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Even today, the Lord is asking us, we the church are the ones who need to repent for the sins of the nation. Because the Lord has given us this revelation of him. It is our duty. We may not have sinned. We may not have been part of that. But because we live in these places, we are responsible. The Lord is saying, you, my children, stand in the gap. Identify yourself with the sins of the land and ask for forgiveness. And if you ask for forgiveness, I will heal your land. Yes, that's what when we pray for the pandemic, we say, Lord, forgive us as a nation for our sins and heal our land. So we need to be right with the, God, with the Lord. So that's the third thing. Get thoroughly right with the Lord. And fourthly, we need to understand the seasons, the season that we are in. G. Campbell Morgan, a British evangelist, once said, 
we cannot organize revival but we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when god chooses to blow upon his people once again i believe this is a time where god is choosing to blow over the nations again and we have to set our sails right so we need to be ready the sons of isakar knew the seasons they were a tribe in israel but in every situation they understood what god was doing could we be like the sons of isaka where we will hear from god and know what he is doing god is asking us as a church to rise up in this land to understand what god is doing in this land and respond to that and even in this hebrides revival the sisters peggy and uh, christine they were praying and then they saw a vision uh, especially peggy specifically she saw a vision of the revival and she saw a man of god um and she and the lord revealed the name of that man that the name was duncan campbell and so she realized that this man would be instrumental in this revival so she told her pastor sir Uh, pastor this the, the lord is revealing this man to me we need to call him for the meetings so the pastor said yes we'll do that and at that time duncan campbell was uh, uh, was preaching in some other islands in scotland so he was busy so when uh, pastor james called him he responded by saying i have meetings uh, in those particular dates um, so i'm busy so the pastor was telling that to the sisters so they were saying no but God has spoken this word man says something but God has spoken this word God will really will truly bring this person we are sure of that and uh, surprisingly what happened is those meetings were cancelled and the lord brought duncan campbell at the right time so he came into the island to uh, of uh, the village of barwas to preach for 10 days and so when he came he uh, he went straight to the church and on that day uh, he preached to 300 people and uh, the service was something a, a normal service but the presence of god was felt by everyone nothing remarkable happened and the people left and at that time one of the deacons said oh the presence of the holy spirit is here he's hovering here i'm sure god is going to break through now so that man understood the time and he started praying he said he prayed before the lord lord pour out your spirit on the dry land and he kept on praying for some time at 11 o'clock the doors of the church opened and one man suddenly came up and said uh, sir sir duncan look what the lord has done he's brought many people here and when they came to the the doors they saw almost 700 people the lord had brought them from different places in fact quite a few of them had come from a dance hall nearby young people and there as they were dancing the holy spirit convicted them and they ran to the place where they could find god and for them that was the church and they all came and that was the beginning of the manifestation of that revival and many hearts turned to the lord this revival and uh, which just uh, started at that time lasted for the next 3 years and it spread to all the other islands so we need to understand the season we are in next we need to ask the lord for a burden for souls yes even if you don't see anything i think that we need to start with this we need to ask the lord lord 
use us to share this good news to others. Each day when we wake up, Lord, bring us in contact with someone that we, our family members, like Cornelius did. Let us share with them. Let us share with our friends the good news that you have given us. We need that burden. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth uh, used to do that in, even before his healing ministry, the healing ministry that the Lord used him in, in his earlier days when he was working as a plumber. Every afternoon, he used to say, I'm going to set that one hour to share the gospel. So he would take his lunch break uh, and just after his lunch, quickly he'd run out and ask the Lord, Lord, whom should I share to? And one day he asked the Lord, Lord, if there is anyone close to eternity, let me share the gospel to that person. And he was asking, but he couldn't find the person. Then he said, Lord, my time is running out. I need to go back. Suddenly a cart, a horse cart came and the Lord said, that's a person. And he was saying, Lord, how can I get into his cart and speak to him? It's like how, um, how in, the, in the book of Acts, Philip got onto the, 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 car, the chariot of the eunuch. The same way, um, anyway, Smith Wigglesworth heard the, ma- the word of God and he jumped onto the cart and he, shed, he was started speaking to the man. The man said, no, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. And, he, and Smith asked the Lord, is this the right person? And then the Holy Spirit told him, yes, he's the right person kept on sharing the gospel. And that man that day accepted Jesus as his savior. And uh, Smith went back to his work. Three weeks later, his uh, mother just at dinner time asked him, Smith, have you been sharing the gospel to others recently? Smith said, yes, mom. You During my lunch break, I usually do that. I, I, I met someone, interestingly, just two days back, I went to a house to pray, and there was a man. And uh, when I saw that man, I asked him, can I pray for you? And that man told me, I have accepted the Lord. Three weeks back, someone, a person, and he described the person, shared the good news to me. And uh, then uh, he described the person. So the mother said, was that you, Smith? And uh, Smith said, yeah. That man passed away that night that the mother went and visited him. So just imagine, there are people who need to hear the truth. Are you ready? Do you have a burden for souls? Ask the Lord, and he will give you that burden today itself. So ask the Lord for a burden for souls. The next thing you need to do is to study past revivals. I brought in these two revivals, one in the Word and one, because that revival, reading that just ignites something in us. Uh, It just makes us alive to what God has done in the past. So in one season in uh, 2020, we as a church, we did a study on around 15 to 16 revivals, and we understood what God could do when people align themselves to him. God doesn't work the same way in every revival, but in different ways. But it will be always, you will see the fruit of that revival. If the fruit of, of transformation of lives, fruit of, of, of converting, a, of, no, a fruit of reviving a community or saturating a community with his presence. So we need to study the past revivals. Then make yourself available. I think more than anything right now, the Lord is asking each one of you, will you be available? Uh, You need to give your gifts, your time, and everything for the Lord. I think the most valuable thing that we can give to the Lord at this time, at this uh, season, is our time. 
Can you give more of your time to seek him, to pray for this revival? Time is so important. And it doesn't matter what age we are. We saw that in that Hebrides revival, God used elderly people, young people. In fact, in that revival, there was a young boy who was 16 years old. His name was Donald McPhail. Uh, and he lived in a village called Arnold. And the revival came to that place. And at that time, he was convicted of his sins and he came to the Lord. And it is said that uh, more souls were brought to Christ through his prayers than through the sermons of all the ministers on the island. Sometimes he would be asked to pray and he would mention the word Father. And when he mentioned the word Father, everyone would be convicted of their sin. There would be such a move and presence of God uh, when, uh, when he prayed. In fact, I heard one of the stories where uh, Duncan Campbell, when he was preaching, he felt such a hindrance in the place. So he called this young boy, Donald, why don't you pray? And soon as he prayed, the hindrance was removed and he could preach the word without any hindrance. So God can use the young people. So if any of you who is, who, if any of you young people are thinking, oh, this revival is for the older people, don't, it's not that. The revival is for you too. God is asking you to prepare, you to prepare. God will use every age group in this revival. And finally, let's anticipate what God is going to do. We as a church, we've been praying. I think for the last few years, we've been praying for revival. And we've been praying for our country and the nations. But the Lord has been telling me these few days, come back, pray for revival. Be focused on your prayer for revival and anticipate it. In many revivals, I've heard about a revival in uh, colleges in uh, America where the youngsters would pray. And after prayer, they'd say, God is going to come today. God is going to come today. And revival hit that, nation, that their college campus. So you not only pray, but believe that God is going to move now. It is his time. And we just need to be ready. So anticipate that God is going to do that. In fact, uh, just a month ago, I was, uh, pray, I was sleeping. And suddenly I woke up in my, uh, from my sleep. And I'm, I heard the word Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, three times. And I was thinking, you know, that is the chapter on the, and the river flowing from the temple and how the river is rising. The prophet sees the river rising. It's first ankle deep, then it's knee deep, then it's to the point where they need to swim. That's indicating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, oh, this is the time. This is a season. We need to pray. If God's saying it, I believe. I believe. I will anticipate and even uh, in, the, in the previous century, many men of God have been given visions of the end time revival. A man of God called Tommy Hicks saw a revival of the end time where he saw the church as a giant that was sleeping, but revival was hitting in the end times. And when that church rose up, the, one of the mightiest harvests would happen and then the return of the Lord. 
So the Lord has already spoken through people. And I believe that the revival that is going to come is not going to be just in our place, but it's going to be across the nations. Across the nations. And we need to do our part and be ready. And this revival is going to bring the, the mightiest harvest that we've ever seen. And many people will understand the love of our Lord. So let us anticipate. So I said, what were the eight points? I'll just repeat that before I close. First of all, we need to hunger for the Lord. We need to hunger for a move of God. We need to en engage in extraordinary prayer. We need to get right with the Lord. Settle all things and get right with Him. We need to understand the season that we are in. And then we need to ask the Lord, for a burden for souls. Study the past revivals. Make yourself available. Give your time to the Lord and anticipate what God is going to do in this coming season. I can, can you hear the sound of rain? Can you hear the sound of rain? It is coming in the distance. Let us pray. Let us prepare ourselves as a church for this revival. The Lord is calling you. There are some of you who are backslidden. And the Lord is saying, I want you on this, on this boat. Get on that, that train for revival. Get on it. Get on it. The Lord is calling people right now. Today, I believe that many of you who thought... Uh, thought, okay, God's not going to do anything now. The Lord is, is stirring something in your spirit and saying, come, join this. You be part of this. I want you to be part of this. And the Lord is calling each one of us, let's prepare for this revival. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this word. This word is your word. This word is all about you. It's not about any person. It's about what you want to do. And how you want us to prepare. And I just pray for our churches. Not only WACC Trivandrum. But all our churches. And all the churches in the nations. That we will hear your voice. And that we will respond to this call for revival. That we will prepare ourselves, Holy Spirit. That we will know what to do. It's not about one person or a few leaders. It's about each one of us. And if each of us prepares, one of the greatest revivals will come onto our land. I believe that. And Lord, prepare us, Lord. Prepare us, Lord. There are some of you that are saying, it's not me. The Lord is not speaking to me. But the Lord is saying, it is to you. It is to you. It is to you. You may be thinking that I'm not good enough. I'm not ready. But the Lord is saying, it is to you. Because it's not our abilities that the Lord wants. It's our availability. Are you available for this revival? Are you prepared for this revival? Then rise up. Respond to the call. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this word. And I pray, even in their dreams... You will start speaking to people. Even in their, in, in their quiet times, you will affirm what you have spoken to them today, Father Lord. And I pray as a church, we will be a church that prepares ourselves for the revival. That we will honor you, Holy Spirit. That you will be known, you will be revealed in the land because of the way we prepare ourselves. I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our midst, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.